All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories to Shishi Guru and Gauranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajnana Timirandasya Janajana Shalakaya Chakshulmitam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Shri Chaitanya Manovistam Stapitam Janabutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadatit Swapadandika. When will Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, who was established within this material world, the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? Vancha Kalpa Tarubiascha Kripasanubiavacha Patitanam Pavanebio Vaishnavebio Namonamaha. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone, and they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. 
ಶ್ರೀ ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಪ್ರಭು ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀ ವೈತಗಾಧಾ ಶ್ರೀವಾಸಾದಿ ಗೌರಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಐ ಆಫರ್ ಮೈ ರೆಸ್ಪೆಕ್ಟ್ಫುಲ್ ಒಬೇಸೆನ್ಸಸ್ ಅಂಟ್ ಶ್ರೀ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಮಹಾಪ್ರಭು ಲೋರ್ಡ್ ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀ ಅದ್ವೈತ ಗದಾಧರ್ ಪಂಡಿತ್ ಶ್ರೀವಾಸ್ ಠಾಕೂರ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಆಲ್ ದ ಡಿಬೋರೀಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಲೋರ್ಡ್ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ ಹರೇ ಐ ಪ್ರೈ ದಟ್ ಶ್ರೀ ಶ್ರೀ ರಾಧಾಕಾಲಚಾಂಜಿ ಶ್ರೀಲ ಪ್ರಭುಪಾದ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಶ್ರೀಲ ಗುರುದೇವ್ use me as an instrument so that their message can flow through me to give the to give me the words to serve the vaishnavas listening today is tuesday february 8th 2022 and we are reading from shrimad bhagavatam canto 1 creation chapter 13 dhritarashtra quits home text 29 evam raja viduran vidurenon jena ragna chakshur bodita ajjamida jitvasveshu sneha pasandradhimno nischa karma pritra sandarshita va evam das raja king dhritarashtra Vidurena Anujena, by his younger brother Vidura, Prajna, introspective knowledge, Chakshu, eyes, Bodhita, being understood, Ajamidha, Dhritarashtra, scion of the family of Ajamidha, Chitva, by breaking, Sveshu, regarding kinsmen, Sneha Pashan, strong network of affection, Dradhimana, because of steadfastness nischa karma got out vritrer by his brother sandarshita direction to advha path the path of liberation translation and purport by his divine grace ac bhaktivaranta swami shila prabhupad Thus, Maharaj Dhritarashtra, the scion of the family of Ajamidha, firmly convinced by introspective knowledge, Pragna, broke at once the strong network of familial affection by his resolute determination. Thus, he immediately left home to set out on the path of liberation as directed by his younger brother, Vidura. Purport. Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the great preacher of the principles of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, has stressed the importance of association with sadhus, pure devotees of the Lord. He said that even by a moment's association with a pure devotee, one can achieve all perfection. We are not ashamed to admit that this fact was experienced in our practical life. Were we not favored by His Divine Grace, Srimad Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj, by our first meeting for a few minutes only, it would have been impossible for us to accept this mighty task describing Srimad Bhagavatam in English. Without seeing him at that opportune moment, we could have become a very great business magnate, but never would we have been able to walk the path of liberation and be engaged in the factual service of the Lord under instructions of his divine grace. And here is another practical example by the action of Vidura's association with Dhritarashtra. Maharaj Dhritarashtra was tightly bound in a network of material affinities related to politics. 
economy, and family attachment. And he did everything in his power to achieve so-called success in his planned projects. But he was frustrated from the beginning to the end so far as his material activities were concerned. And yet, despite his life of failure, he achieved the greatest of all success in self-realization by the forceful instructions of a pure devotee of the Lord, who is the typical emblem of a sadhu. The scriptures enjoin, therefore, that one should associate with sadhus only, rejecting all other kinds of association. And by doing so, one will have ample opportunity to hear the sadhus who can cut to pieces the bonds of illusory and affection in the material world. It is a fact that the material world is a great illusion because everything appears to be tangible, to be a tangible reality, but at the next moment evaporates like the dashing foam of the sea or a cloud in the sky. A cloud in the sky undoubtedly appears to be a reality because it rains, and due to rains, so many temporary green things appear. But in the ultimate issue, everything disappears, namely the cloud, rain, and green vegetation, all in due course. But the sky remains, and the varieties of sky and luminaries also remain forever. Similarly, the absolute truth, which is compared to the sky, remains eternally, and the temporary cloud-like illusion comes and goes. Foolish living beings are attached by the temporary cloud, but intelligent persons are more concerned with the eternal sky, with all its variegatedness. So today, if we look at the, the verse, the themes of introspective knowledge and resolute determination are um, discussed, as well as association of a pure devotee, which Prabhupada goes into in a little bit more detail in um, in the purport. So in this, the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, Canto 7, Chapter 15, Text 76, Srila Prabhupada says in a purport also that Krishna helps as the guru or spiritual master from within and from without. From without, he helps the devotee as his representative. And from within, he talks personally with the pure devotee and gives him instructions by which they may return home back to Godhead. So we'll keep these themes in mind and take a little bit of a detour um, in that today is Bhishmastami. It's the disappearance day of Bhishmadev, the grandfather, the grandshire of the um, Bandavas and the Kurus. So in a lecture um, by Srila Prabhupada on the Bhagavad Gita, Two two and through two six on December eleventh, nineteen seventy two. Prabhupada says Bhishma is one of the authorities of religious principle. There are twelve authorities, so Bhishma is not an ordinary person. So in researching who is Bhishma, I came across the following information from Iskan Desire Tree, which is a summary of the Mahabharata Adipurva chapters ninety five through hundred. So, Bhishma was known as Devavrata in his childhood, and he was the eighth son of King Shantanu, who um, I guess is the father of, or you know, considered the father of um, Dhritarashtra and 
on the um, Anvidura. Um, so he was the, and also his mother was Ganga Devi. He was the human embodiment of one of the Astavashus named Dio. I think that's how you pronounce it. Dio's wife happened to see the sacrificial cow of the sage Vashishta and wanted to have it. So she expressed its desire to her husband, and he, along with seven other Vasus, captured and took away by force Vashishta's cow. And Vashishta, in his anger, he cursed all of them to be born as mortals. All of the Astavashus repented, and they begged pardon from Vashishta. So the sage told them that all of them would be born as the sons of Ganga Devi, and all except Dio, would actually, who actually stole the cow and orchestrated the whole theft, would return to heaven at the time of birth itself. So as for Dio, he would continually to, he would continue to live in the world for a long time as an adventurous hero. So we know that um, King Shantanu found Ganga Devi and fell in love with her. Um, and, you know, wanted to marry her, and then she said that she would marry him under the condition that she would never ask any questions. He would never ask any questions of her, of her and um, always, you know, let her be, like let her do what she wants to do. So when she became pregnant and gave birth to her first child with um, King Shantanu, she threw the first baby into the river. Because that was the deal, right? The seven Ashwatthasus would be born to her, and then she would let them be liberated back into their position immediately upon birth. So she did this with the first child, and King Shantanu didn't say anything, remembering his promise. But it happened over and over again. Seven, seven children were born and thrown into the river um to be given liberation back to their original position. So when she gave birth to the eighth child, Shantanu couldn't keep quiet, and he insisted that he get to keep the child, or the, the child not be killed and thrown away into the river. And so immediately, because he had violated his conditions of marriage and broken his promise, Ganga Devi became angry, and she left the palace with um, the, the child, Devavrata, and she brought him up in the forest. Um, a few years later, the king went to the forest and saw the kid, saw the child, and he wanted his child back. So he approached Ganga Devi, and she um, allowed him to, hand, you know, she handed over the child, allowed him to raise the child. So we know also later on, you know, in the Mahabharata, King Shantanu comes across Satyavati, the daughter of a fisherman, and falls in love with her. He asks the fisherman to give his daughter, you know, in marriage. So he wanted her hand in marriage. But the fisherman didn't yield to the, you know, the great king asking for something. He demand, he had his own demands. He's like, well, if, you know, my daughter is going to become your wife, and queen, I want her children to be the rightful heirs to the throne. Well, King Shantanu is like, well, that's impossible because I have a son already. So he left feeling very dejected and sad. And 
He spent his days being very depressed and gloomy. And his son, Devarata, noticed this and said, what's going on here? What's happening? So he talked to the king's advisors about what was happening with his father. And he learned that his father had fallen in love and that he was unable to get married because um, the the woman's father wanted that woman to be the rightful heir, you know, all her children to be the rightful heir to... Um, to the kingdom. So he, without telling his father, without asking any permission, had gone to the fisherman's cottage and begged the father that Satyavati would be able to marry his father so that his father could be happy. And Devarita agreed to the father's, the fisherman's conditions, right? He said, okay, well, I will make sure that you know, I won't have any claim to the throne. I give up my claim to the throne. The fisherman said, well, that's impossible. If you have any kids, they'll have the claim to the throne. So at that moment, Devabrata made the solemn pledge that he would never get married and never have any children. And so the fisherman was satisfied, and he then allowed Satyavati to be married to King Shantanu. So when... Uh, Shantanu found out about this. He, you know, his heart went out to his son who gave up so much for him, for his own happiness. And he had, because he had taken this oath, he was given the name Bhishma. So his name changed from Devavratha to Bhishma because he'd given this great oath. And his father gave him a boon that Bhishma could die only when he wished, so he could live as long as possible, as long as he wanted to, he could choose the moment of his death. So then we cut to the scene after the Battle of the Kurukshetra, where Bhishma is severely injured, you know, mortally injured. He's hanging on to his life because he has control of when he can die. And we read all about this, I guess, a couple of months ago, when we were reading chapter 9 in um, Canto 1 of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the passing away of Bhishmadev in the presence of Lord Krishna. And it starts off with Bhishmadev was lying on a bed of arrows about to pass away. So, you know, we said that he's mortally injured from the battle of Kurukshetra. And he's in the presence of King Yudhisthira along with all the Pandavas and Krishna. And even though he's injured and, you know, in severe pain, he still bowed down before Lord Krishna. All the great souls in the universe, namely the rishis, amongst the demigods, brahmanas, and kings, all situated in the quality of goodness were assembled there. All the sages were present, and many others like Sukadev Goswami and other purified souls, accompanied by their respective disciples, arrived there. Bhishmadev, who was the best amongst the eight Vasus, received and welcomed all the great and powerful rishis who were assembled there, for he knew perfectly all the religious principles according to time and place. Lord Sri Krishna was sitting before Bhishmadev, and since Bhishmadev knew of his glories, he worshipped him duly. So remember today we are talking about the themes of introspective knowledge, of Resolute determination and association of a pure devotee. 
and the power of that um, to provide us with eternal liberation to um, from earth, right? From our mortal um, lives. Well, here we can see that Bishmadev had resolute determination. I mean, despite being mortally injured, he's greeting all of, you know, the everyone that's coming, the exalted personalities, he's greeting them with reverence and giving them the respect that they are due. And he's also in the presence of Lord Sri Krishna. So, you know, he's got all this association and he's determined. And we're going to learn about his introspective knowledge here in a minute. So, the sons of Maharaj Pandu were sitting silently nearby, overtaken with affection for their dying grandfather. Seeing this, Bhishma Dev congratulated them with feeling. There were tears of ecstasies in his eyes, for he was overwhelmed by love and affection. And then he goes on to discuss philosophy, time, suffering, liberation, surrendering to Krishna. Right? He discusses how we can't stop time, we can't reverse the ravages of time. So we have to take advantage of every moment by um, worshiping Krishna, by deepening our relationship to Krishna. And that can mitigate the suffering that we experience here in this material world and leads us to liberation. And even tells, you know, he says to the Pandavas, like, you have such a great boon. You know, you're so blessed that you think that this is... Your cousin, Lord Krishna is your cousin, when he's actually the supreme personality of Godhead. So how blessed are we to have him in our presence? He goes on to discuss the essential principles of various religious duties. You know, the the caste system, the, um, you know, how we're supposed to live and, and mode of goodness and dedicating our lives to serving Krishna. He spoke on different subjects with thousands of meanings, who fought on thousands of battlefields and protected thousands of men. He stopped speaking, and being completely freed from all bondage, withdrew his mind from everything else, and fixed his wide-open eyes upon the original personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, who stood before him, forehanded, dressed in yellow garments that glittered and shined. So after speaking such great philosophy and educating his you know, grandchildren on his deathbed, on the glories of Krishna and surrendering to Krishna, he then began, intro, you know, he withdrew, so he became more introspective and purely meditated on Krishna. And Krishna, it was in front of him. By pure meditation, looking at Lord Sri Krishna, he was at once freed from all material inauspiciousness and relieved of all bodily pains caused by arrow, the arrow wounds. Thus, all external activities of his senses at once stopped, and he prayed transcendentally to the controller of all living beings while quitting his material body. He then said, let me now invest my thinking, feeling, and willing, which were so long engaged in different subjects and occupational duties, in the all-powerful Lord Sri Krishna. 
He is always self-satisfied, but sometimes being the leader of the devotees, he enjoys transcendental pleasure by trans by descending to the material world. Although from him only the material world is created. Sri Krishna is the intimate friend of Arjuna. He has appeared on this earth and in his transcendental body, which resembles the bluish color of the tamal tree. His body attracts everyone in the three planetary systems, upper, middle, and lower. May his glittering yellow dress and his lotus face, covered with paintings of sandalwood pulp, be the object of my attraction, and may I not desire fruit of results. So we can see that he's surrendering here to Krishna, which is another big theme, right? It's not just introspective knowledge and resolute determination and the association of devotees that we seek. We want all of this so that we can surrender fully to Krishna and engage in our true um, nature and relationship with Krishna. Let my mind... So he describes Krishna on the battlefield and how angry he was when he came to attack him. He said, let my mind thus go into Sri Krishna. And then... He describes how Krishna cast his merciful glance on the battlefield, shortening the lifespans of everyone on the opposing side. Let my mind be fixed upon that Krishna. He discusses how Krishna dispels Arjuna's doubts by reciting, you know, the Bhagavad Gita on the battlefield. May his lotus feet always remain the object of my attraction. May he, Lord Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead, awards salvation, be my ultimate destination. At the moment of death, let my ultimate attraction be to Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead. I concentrate my mind upon the chariot driver of Arjuna, who stood with the whip in his right hand and a bridle rope in his left, who was very careful to give protection to Arjuna's chariot by all means. Those who saw him on the battlefield of Kurukshetra attained their original forms after death. Let my mind be fixed upon Lord Sri Krishna, whose motions and smiles of love attracted the damsels of Rajadam, the gopis. The damsels imitated the characteristic movements of the Lord after his disappearance from the Rasa dance. And in that great assembly, Lord Sri Krishna was worshipped by one and all as the most exalted personality of Godhead. This happened during my presence, and I remembered the incident in order to keep my mind upon the Lord. Here he's describing um, the great sacrifice that King Yurdhishthir made, you know, the Ashvamedha sacrifice. Now I can meditate with full concentration that Upon that one Lord, Sri Krishna, now present before me, because now I have transcended the misconceptions of duality in regard to his presence in everyone's heart, even in the hearts of mental speculators, he is in everyone's heart. The sun may be perceived differently, but the sun is one. Sudhadev Goswami concludes that thus Bhishmadev merged himself in the super soul, Lord Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, with his mind, speech, sight, and actions. And thus he became silent and his breathing stopped. Knowing that Bhishmadev had merged into the unlimited eternity of the Supreme Absolute, all present there became silent like birds at the end of the day. 
So today we can glorify Bishmadev and his auspicious death, his disappearance day, by keeping in mind, you know, the, his teachings, basically, what he was teaching his, instructing his grandchildren on his deathbed to always think of Krishna, to surrender everything to Krishna. And that is what we want to do with our introspective knowledge, you know, bringing it back to the verse from today. We want to have resolute determination on our path, you know, of Krishna consciousness. And we do that with the association of pure devotees. You know, Prabhupada goes into great detail about how his life was changed just by meeting his spiritual master for a few moments. And that changed the trajectory of his life. And we also have experienced the same, you know, when we meet our spiritual master, when we meet the devotees, we don't know the change that's about to happen, that continues to happen, um, how it changes our trajectory of life when we come across such exalted devotees. You know, we can see that Bishmadev, being exalted himself, still took the time to give respect to those he perceived to be even more exalted. You know, so he was very mindful of the association that he had. And he instructed his um, grandchildren in that as well. Like, who are you associating with? You know, we there's a saying in the business world that if you look at the top five people of the pe- people that you associate with, those are the qualities that you re- um, take on. So we have to look at who are we associating with, you know, the top five people. And, you know, we're kind of getting back into normal after the pandemic. You know, so the last couple of years, we've been maybe not associating with so many people. So that five people becomes more obvious. Or if it's less than five, you know, we're associating um, with people in a different way, right? We're either watching TV and associating with people or, you know, feeding our mind with things that we're watching from TV or reading books. If we're reading, you know, Srila Prabhupada's books, then we're associating with Srila Prabhupada through his books. And if we're reading Srila Prabhupada's disciples' books, then we're associating with his disciples with the books. So even in, you know, we also had the pleasure of being able to have Zoom uh, lectures, Zoom classes, Zoom meetings. So we get to associate that way. YouTube uh, provided a lot of recorded classes and lectures, kirtans. So we now have so many ways of being able to associate, and we want to be very intentional of who we are associating with in order to delve even deeper and realize that we are servants of Krishna. Prabhupada goes on to say in another purport, I think in um, probably the purport for text 77, because that's what I was reading yesterday, um, that we want to make sure that we waste not a single moment of our time in doing things that are not going to take us further into our Krishna consciousness, that are not considered service. And that includes who we're spending time with. You know, Are we spending time with devotees that are going to help uplift us are we spending time with people that are a little bit more um, concerned about sense gratification and bodily pleasures? And sometimes we can't help that, right? We may be in a family that um, 
or a situation where we're surrounded by people that aren't so conscious of their relationship to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. So in those cases, we want to strengthen our own um, devotional mood by giving association rather than taking association. So in those situations, we can understand that we're there amongst you know people that we may not have chosen to be around, but we can still appreciate that Krishna is there in everyone's heart, whether they realize it or not. Um, I think Dev had said this that you know even though the sun is perceived differently, it's still pervading everywhere. So in the same way, we want to make sure that we're not, you know, dismissing people or making offenses to people or making them feel less than or unwanted, especially if it's a family situation where we can still honor them and love them and be with them, but really focus on providing a good influence to them rather than being influenced by them. And this is really powerful. So... You know, we want, in order to do that, we have to strengthen our own devotional attitude and mood by taking association in other ways, right? So we're at home with our family, but we can still read books. We can still engage in listening to recorded lectures, attending Zoom classes, instead of, you know, reading novels or reading or watching TV, or feeding our mind with other stuff like that. So, over and over again, we want to make sure we see this, that, you know, association is so important. And there is no stronger association than that of our spiritual master. But many of us, we're not blessed that we get to spend all of our time with our spiritual master in our spiritual master's presence. You know, my spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami, left this planet 20 years ago. Wow. Um, almost in a, probably in about a month, 20 years ago. And, you know, so it's impossible now to spend any time in his physical presence for me. But yet I can still spend time with him by listening to his lectures, by even just remembering him, talking about him to other um, devotees. You know, we just had a great celebration for his um, 50th anniversary of taking sannyas on Saturday. So, you know, we get to associate with each other during that great celebration. We get to listen to stories about him, um, what he did, how he helped Srila Prabhupada in his mission, you know, talk about his great achievements as we're doing with Bhishma Dev, right? We were talking about his great achievements. I think that's also the great glory of the Srimad Bhagavatam is that it's filled with practical examples of how we can live this philosophy of Krishna consciousness. You know, Bhishma Dev here is showing us how to die. How do we fix our mind on Krishna in that moment of death? And we don't know when that moment of death is going to come. We're not all blessed with the boon of being able to choose the moment of our death as Bhishma Dev was. So we want to make sure that every moment we are fortified, right, against the material world, that we are fortifying our minds and hearts and bodies with Krishna consciousness, with, you know, as much as we can, as much as we're ready to engage with our devotional service and um, serving Krishna and the devotees. 
then that way, if that moment of death comes at any moment, we're, we're ready for it in, you know, in any given form. And in these last two years, we know that, you know, death has been a lot more prominent for most of us. You know, we're thinking about it a lot more. We're seeing so many people around us dying, family, friends, um, acquaintances, you know, we're hearing about it on the news. And, and it's not just, you know, the coronavirus, the pandemic, you know, regular death still happens too, you know, heart disease, cancer, um, you know, accidents, injuries, although they did show that there was a big decrease in a lot of this because people weren't going to work, so stress levels decreased and there was less accidents because there was less people driving. Um, so, you know, but still, death is always there. And we can learn from Bhishma Dev how to, how to fix our mind on Krishna. You know, it didn't just happen in this moment of death. Bhishma Dev had always had his mind on Krishna. He always knew who Krishna was and performed his duty as was expected. You know, the kind of the story of the Mahabharata is, is in some ways predestined, right? The story happens the way it happens so that we have all these lessons and that the story plays out because at any, I mean, Bhishma Dev didn't have to make that great vow, right, to never get married. And nobody would have faulted him if he broke that vow because that was a, a pretty strong vow to make in a childhood. And so, you know, but he kept it. And because he held on to it, the whole events of the Mahabharata took place. So we can see that he was a very strong, determined devotee from his childhood, from very early on. I mean, basically from his previous life, right? He's one of the principal principal authorities of religion. So we can learn from these examples and even um, what we're reading now, right? We're reading currently how Vidura is instructing these same philosophy, the same knowledge to his older brother, Dhritarashtra, and telling him also to, you know, let go of this material world and really just engage with Krishna and the devotional devotional service and the spiritual world. And that Dhritarashtra takes heed. You know, he has, because he's gotten the strength from his younger brother, the association of a pure devotee, he now has that strength of resolute determination within himself. And he has found that knowledge within himself, right? Krishna is within and without. So I will stop there and see if we have any questions. Who are the Mahajans that you refer to? What? How did they come about? The who? Mahajans, the 12 Mahajans you mentioned. So I didn't go into who the Ashvatasus were, but they're basically the principles of religion. Um, and eight of them, but I mean, that's as far as I looked it up, was that eight of the Ashvatasus were the ones that um, kidnapped or captured and stole the cow, Vashishtha's cow. And because of that, they were punished, you know, cursed to take 
birth in human form. But it just says the 12 principles, there are 12 of them, eight of them which decided to steal the cow and um, that Bhishma is one of them. It doesn't say which principle he is or which, you know, the representative of which principle. I didn't find any information on that. Maybe somebody knows. They can let me know. Is that who you were referring to? Any other questions? Okay. Dharantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki Bhishma Dev ki